The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch, uh, to this edition. You're, I, I, I'm, you know, today is going to be such a controversial show that like my normal uh, introduction that kind of rolls off my tongue, I'm distracted by thinking about what we're going to be talking about, how important it is, and how many uh, different ideas there are on the subject. Um, today we're going to be talking about sex, gender, tra- and transgender, and confusion. Uh, you know, before the, we just now, uh, my guest, who is uh, Dr. Michelle Critella, she is the president of the American College of Pediatricians. She is a general pediatrician. She's been in practice for, I think, over 15 years. Um, she uh, went to medical school at the University of Connecticut. She did her internship and residency in pediatrics at the Connecticut Children's Medical Center in Hartford. Um, she completed a fellowship in college health through the University of Virginia. She, all, she herself has three teenage sons and a 12-year-old daughter, with the help of her husband, of course, she herself. She and her husband have. Um, so that kind of gets into the whole topic of what we're talking about. Um, you know, I was particularly interested in this uh, topic. I mean, it, well, I've been gradually becoming more aware of just how, um, what, how confused, let me start off with a sort of relatively calm word, confused, our society is, and getting more and more confused, about sex and gender, uh, gender identity, and how, you know, this, this whole issue of calling yourself non-binary, meaning not a woman or a man, I, I mean, things are really spinning out of control. And um, I was just recently asked to do a, uh, an, an interview, uh, to be quoted in an article, about Jennifer Lopez. And uh, her, the article was lauding her for using gender-neutral pronouns for her sister's kid, who describes themselves, notice not himself or herself, describes themselves as non-binary. He, well, I started to say he. They had um, won some award, and so she was writing on social media about how fabulous it was, and instead of saying he or she, she said they, um, and this was supposed to be wonderful. And so I was, so I started looking around and actually doing a lot of um, Internet research about this, and um, to get... Sort of current, or, or I thought I was until um, my guest just told me sort of some additional facts. But um, you know, this has really exploded, and um, children are getting hurt by this by parents just making the decisions about what sex and gender they are, and um, and and really making these decisions at early ages and make taking steps so that the, some many children are ending up. Um, unhealthy because of hormones and surgery, compromise, their health compromised, certainly their psychological health compromised, and of course many committing suicide. Now I'm just kind of giving you an overview, but uh, I will leave it to my guest to get into more detail. But I just want to say that, um, so I wrote, you know, I sent an email with my various comments about this issue, and, um, but I, I wanted to, I said that I felt strongly about it, that it should be balanced that um, I am really against this whole thing becoming super trendy, 
that you should, uh, in fact, it's, it's cool and you should try to, if your child says at age three or five or seven that they think they're a boy and they're actually biologically a girl or vice versa, you should encourage that. So I, um, I added some things that were, you know, some warning signs, some, some cautionary um, comments about how parents shouldn't jump to conclusions and confuse their kids and all of that. And, of course, that was left out of the article. <laughs> but when I brought it to the attention of the writer, how important it was to balance the article out and put these aspects in it, too, to her credit, she actually uh, added these other things that I had mentioned. So that makes me, you know, this, so this whole issue, and, and in a very recent, um, for a very recent reason, has just really gotten me um, very concerned about this and about all the children who are being harmed. Therefore, my guest, who is actually a very controversial figure on her own, even with all her inc- incredible credits as a doctor, and I just mentioned a few, but um, she was recently on Tucker, Tucker Carlson on Fox. And um, there's an article she, she created, and you'll have to tell me, Dr. Michelle, you created quite a controversy. There's an article I'm looking at here, Tucker Carlson teams with hate group to spread yes. junk science about transgender kids. And there you are. There <laughs> we <with> are. Picture, <laughs> your picture, your face, um, next to Tucker Carlson and uh, pediatrician, transgender, the uh, the um, Chiron underneath the two of you, it says, pediatrician, transgender ideology is having a negative impact on children. So, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, two, two thoughts. Um, when the first thing um, someone with an opposite opinion from you does is basically attack you and call you names, doesn't speak so well. I mean, it, it, uh, of, it suggests maybe the science really isn't on their side if the best you can do is just call me hateful. Um, and the second thing, which is also very important for listeners to realize, is that on the issue of this, I'm going to call it transgender youth movement, there are many colleagues of mine, therapists, educators, physicians who consider themselves um, left, even radical left, who are deeply concerned because the science does suggest we're putting children in harm's way. And they've actually, they've reached out to the American College of Pediatricians. They've reached out to me personally and said, thank you for speaking. If we do this, we will lose our jobs. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is not a right versus left issue, let's say, let's pick, a, like abortion, for example. So this is not your typical issue. There is real substance here that people across the political spectrum can come together on. Um, and it, and, it, and it's, about, it's about really doing what's best for children, um, and that's why we can be united. Um, so well, why don't, I don't we know start... You- before um, getting into some of the issues, why don't we start b- with definitions so that everyone is sort of on the mm-hmm. same page with, in terms of biological sex, gender, transgender, intersex. How about starting with that? Sure. I mean, biological sex, that is what's hardwired in all of us. It's in our DNA and shaped by our hormones. It's there. I can diagnose your biological sex. Okay, we can look at chromosomes, hormone levels. We can diagnose that. Gender, um, gender is not a biological entity. Gender is the social expression of your biological sex. And we're getting that from the fields of psychology, sociology. Um, So it's very much tied into sex stereotypes. Um, and what do I mean by that? You, if, you, if you look up uh, all over the Internet, you can find stories by um, parents who um, describe their child. They'll say, I knew, I knew that John was actually a girl. He's my, I knew he was transgender because 
he was always into all the girly things. He liked pink. He liked princesses. So <laughs> um, they're jumping. They're looking at a child's nonconformity to sex stereotypes and saying, oh, that makes them transgender. So or that makes them transgender, that makes them trapped in the wrong body. So there's a lot of conflating of, of sex and gender. Gender is simply the social expression we associate with being a boy or being a girl. But sex is your actual physical, biological trait. Um, transgender, uh, the simplest colloquial description of that um, there are many meanings. It may mean you feel like you are the opposite sex, that you're trapped in the wrong body. It may feel that it may mean that you feel or believe you are something in between, neither male nor female. Um, again, this is something that's purely in the mind. There, there's no medical diagnosis. I can't do a blood test. I can't do an imaging study. It's not something that we can pinpoint in your chromosomes, your blood, your brain. It is, we have to take your word for it. It is in the mind. Um, so sex, gender, transgender, intersex. We hear a lot about um, intersex. Intersex is another biological, just like sex is biological, intersex is a disorder of sex development. Um, so a person who is intersex and um, may, they will have um, often disorders in their chromosomes. So you can diagnose it, uh, either hormone levels, chromosome indicators. Um, it's a biological disorder. So intersex is a separate category entirely different from someone who claims or identifies, not claims, but someone who identifies as transgender, they are biologically normal. But in their mind, they feel that they're trapped in the wrong body. Someone who is intersex has a true biological disorder that we can diagnose. Um, were there others, Carol? No, those are, I, well, I think those are the main four categories yeah. that you're going to be uh, talking about. Well, why don't we start with what you were telling me before, um, before we actually went on the air, because that was kind of uh, very disturbing. Well, what I am, um, as the president of the, College of, of the American College of Pediatricians, I hear from um, numerous professionals, parents um, uh, across the country. They will write in. And um, across the country in the, in the school systems, the intention is good. The intention is to decrease bullying and promote respect. Um, but throughout the country, beginning in, from preschool through high school, um, programs are being recommended to teach children that um, just because you have a penis doesn't mean you're a boy. Just because you don't have a penis, you know, you're missing, that doesn't mean you're a girl. Uh, in other words, these programs are teaching kids as young as age three that you can't trust your body. You can't trust the message your body is giving you. Um, as an example, there's a, there's a picture book of a teddy bear who um, feels different. And he starts out wearing a bow tie and he's teddy. And by the end of the picture book, he has moved the bow tie to his head as a barrette and become Tilly. Huh. This is dangerous for preschoolers because, as Carol and I were talking off, uh, off the air, normal cognitive development of children in the first three to four years of life, by age three or four, that's when a child, so preschool age, first figures out, oh, I'm a boy or, oh, I'm a girl. They, they figure that out. They don't realize that their sex is permanent um, until, cognitively, usually until age seven or maybe even eight sometimes. Those ages from birth to seven, eight, um, 
is uh, psychologists refer to as a time of magical thinking where children believe that they can cause things to happen just by their thoughts. Um, children are uh, more, they have more difficulty distinguishing between fantasy and reality. So our job as parents at all ages, but especially in those early years, is to help kids distinguish fantasy from reality, right? And mm-hmm. so here you are at this very vulnerable age feeding them stories that are telling them, oh, just change the way you dress and you can change whether you're a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is disruptive. I mean, the very first, one of the very first physical realities we encounter is our body. And we are teaching little vulnerable children that you cannot trust the message your physical body is giving you. We're destroying the reality testing. That's, that's one of the foundational things. And um, you don't mess with a kid's reality testing. We're supposed to build that up. Um, yes, and the point of all this is that we're going to be talking, um, we're going to go on to talk about uh, examples and, and um, you know, what's, what's happening in terms of parents uh, provide mm-hmm. deciding the gender of their child, deciding the, um, deciding to, well, <laughs> trying to change the sex of their child in a sense by uh, giving right. them hormones and, and surgery and so on. But the, the important thing about what you're just talking about is that it's not just these children who may have what's called gender dysphoria, may, may be uncomfortable right. with their, um, their own sexuality, their own gender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also, it's, we're talking about um, kids. I mean, it's not just these kids who are getting hormones or surgery or whatever that this is affecting, or people who are, even kids who are saying they're non-binary. This is affecting kids um, who don't have any or hadn't really thought about this. We exactly. were too young to think about sex or gender. <laughs> And, and yet it's, it's being forced on them. I mean, that's kind of the point, yes. that whether it's hormone surgery or, or these books about teddy bears, it's being forced right. upon them. Yeah. It's, um, and, and one of the things that I brought out in the article that caught Tucker Carlson's attention um, is, is that we have absorbed gender, this transgender ideology, this, this belief that you can be born in the wrong body, which there's no scientific evidence for that whatsoever. That, yes. Um, look, if, if there is a trait that is hardwired before birth, then identical twins will be the same for that trait all the time, 100% of the time they will match. So if a transgender identity were determined by uh, pre-birth, by DNA, pre-birth, by hormones, pre-birth, by anything biological, then identical twins should have the same gender identity 100% of the time, but they do not. Yes. When, you look at the, when we look at the twin studies, the vast majority of identical twins differ. In their, their, most of them are not both transgender. Um, so, uh, uh, Dr. Michelle, let me just, I, I, I sure. just need to stop you here because, um, yep. because we need to take a break. Um, this is all super interesting, and we will be back with Dr. Critella. She is the president of the American College of Pediatricians. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay tuned, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about sex, gender, transgender, and confusion. And I want to, uh, before we get into with my guest, Dr. Michelle Critella, before she um, starts talking about what's been happening and the increasing um, kinds of treatment that kids are getting, I'm going to give you a, a story, a real-life story of, of an example of this. Um, I, uh, there was, a, I'm in, uh, aware of a family who um, has a little girl, and when this little girl was growing up from, you know, when she was in her, like, three and four and five and all the way up till, to sort of recently, she was kind of what would have been called before all this fancy language and, <laughs> and uh, over jumping to conclusions, uh, she would have been called a normal to- tomboy, you know, a normal tomboy. They remember, there was such a thing. Um, and uh, because she, she liked boys' things. She liked um, boys' toys. She liked, uh, again, that goes back to the stereotypes that Dr. Michelle was talking about earlier. She liked um, all kinds of boys, all kinds of like video games that boys kind of like. And she loved the most extreme example of this is that she liked boys' underwear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, part of the thing was that her father would, uh, used to bring home lots of gifts. And uh, not, not necessarily super expensive things, but he, he liked the idea of you know, surprising her, coming home with surprises. And she liked uh, Scooby-Doo. And I don't know that Scooby-Doo is more <laughs> girl or boy, but, um, but they happen to make Scooby-Doo into boys' underwears. underwear. Apparently, they also make it as girls' underwear. But she, the father would bring home boys' underwear of Scooby-Doo. And they cut her hair short. And, you know, all these things were kind of going in the direction. Now, she never said, to my knowledge, um, that she felt, I mean, she wasn't, she didn't have the sophistication to say, I'm, I'm a... Um, I'm a boy in a girl's body. I mean, she, she did say things like that, like I, I, I feel like a boy. or I. Anyway, if her parents had jumped to the conclusions, actually, I should just say, this, this is a family that I'm treating. I'm not going to mention their names, of course, or any identifying uh, information. But if her parents had jumped to the conclusion, like, oh, my God, she must be transgender, she must really want to be a boy, and had done the kinds of things that Dr. Michelle is going to be telling you about, um, at this point, and she's now almost 11 years old, at this point, she would have been getting hormones. She would have, they would have been talking about surgery. They would have been continuing to uh, encourage um, boys' clothes. Um, and, and by now, she would be totally confused. Well, the moral of the story is that now that she's almost 11, she, she, her hair is, oh, again, these are stereotypes. Believe me, I get it, but... Her, they illustrate one of the point. Um, her hair is, you know, nice, long girl's hair. Uh, she doesn't wear Scooby-Doo uh, boys' underwear for a while. She wore Scooby-Doo's girls' underwear. But now she, you know, dresses really feminine, and she's perfectly happy in her, uh, with her sex, her biological sexual identity. Um, there was never anything major that happened other than what I was just describing 
which are kind of stereotypical things that she liked of boys. But there is nothing... Um, there is nothing abnormal about her. Had this family jumped to conclusions and set her on a path to becoming a boy, she would be in deep psychological trouble at this point. So, Dr. Michelle, why don't you take it away and, and, and uh, explain what a lot of parents would have done when they saw their little girl wearing Scooby-Doo boys' underwear. Right. Well, because of how uh, prevalent this has become in our, in our culture, um, parents are perhaps hypervigilant and, and getting very nervous when their child um, does go outside of sex stereotypes, whereas in the past they wouldn't have so much. Um, and I do know of a case in which um, uh, a little girl, age eight, was being bullied at school because um, it was a private school, there was a uniform code, and she preferred the the boys' uniform with little shorts and slacks. I mean, it was, in any case, because she preferred these things and wore her hair short, she was being ridiculed by other girls. And for whatever reason, um, the the parents and the school could not nip this in the bud. So the parents brought their eight-year-old daughter to a gender expert. The gender expert asked the eight-year-old little girl, so what are you? Are you a boy or a girl? And the eight-year-old said, I'm a girl. Look at my body. I like to wear boy clothes, but I'm a girl. The gender doctor, the gender expert then said, she used a Pop-Tart analogy. Do you eat Pop-Tarts? And most eight-year-olds do. So this girl was all over that. Oh, I love Pop-Tarts. What if I gave you a Pop-Tart and the foil said cinnamon Pop-Tart, but when you opened it up and took a bite, huh. you realized it was strawberry. What kind of Pop-Tart is it really? And the little girl looked at her and said, strawberry. Then she turned and looked at her parents and said, Mommy, Daddy, I think I'm a boy in girl foil. Oh, wow. Now, the parents... Fortunately, did not go along. They, 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 thank you very much. They fortunately saw through that this is leading a child on, and that gets to what we discussed earlier. You know, children are very suggestible in the preschool through elementary years. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if the parents had gone along with this, so I, I don't, some parents are being, you know, bullied. In other words, they're, they're being bullied or they're being. Um, pressured into following the path. But if these parents had gone along with, oh, my gosh, yes, this doctor just uh, opened our daughter's eyes to the fact that she's transgender Mm -hmm. rather than, oh, this doctor just led her into this conclusion, um, that 8-year-old little girl would have been uh, encouraged to change her name, to enforce that name change, to be recognized by everyone around her, to use preferential pronouns, basically treating her like a boy, and between the ages of 9 and 11, she would be placed on puberty blockers. Puberty blockers um, arrest a child's development at that age. It's, I've called it chemical castration because that's essentially what it is. You're, you're turning off the pubertal hormones, like flipping the switch, turning it off. And now that child will, um, while their peers continue to prog- progress through puberty, um, this, your child now, does not develop physically, emotionally, or cognitively, because sex hormones, which have just been turned off, affect the brain and the body and the emotions. So this is not a minor thing. Gender experts say, oh, we're just pressing the pause button. If we take the child off the puberty blockers, everything goes back to normal. False statement. True, if I take the puberty blockers away, the hormones start, get turned back on. But you cannot, (laughs) that child has lost, if they're on the puberty blockers for one day, one month, one year, you can't give them, they've, they've lost that day, month, or year of normal development because everyone around them is still maturing. 
You rob mm-hmm. them of that time of normal development. You can't give that back to them. What happens when you look at the literature, young children, prepubertal, who have been, quote-unquote, socially affirmed as the opposite sex, get put on puberty blockers by age 11. None of them in the published, liter- published literature, zero, go back to their biological sex. 100% of children who are supposedly hitting the pause button to decide if, yeah, you might really be your biological sex, 100% of them never go back. They, they want the cross-sex hormones. When, you, when that happens, when you go from social affirmation of opposite sex, puberty blockers by age 11, and then sex change hormones right in succession, bye-bye fertility. That makes the child sterile. This is a major big deal. I mean, this is, this is huge. Children, children cannot grasp the concept of, I will never be able to have biological children of my own if I do this. They can't uh-huh. grasp that concept. And so when I talk about this so-called medical protocol, I, I say we are, we are leading our children into a delusional state. We are chemically castrating them, then sterilizing them, and prepping them for surgical mutilation, the surgical removal of healthy body parts. I mean, this is, and I talk this way because it's plain English. When you literally say what we are doing to these children in plain English, the fact that it's child abuse is obvious. But when we use the medical jargon and euphemisms, then the waters get a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is, I'm sorry, castration, chemical castration, sterilization, and surgically removing healthy body parts, that's not how we treat depression, anxiety, or prevent suicide. That's child abuse in and of itself. The way we treat your psychiatrist, <laughs> the way we treat depression, anxiety, and prevent suicide is with really good, solid family and individual therapy to get to underlying issues and, and where appropriate um, anti-anxiety meds, anti-depression meds, but the therapy is hard work. Um, and, and that's what we do to treat depression, anxiety, and, and suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, yes. a, a, child, a child who, I mean, and, and I know I've never had a, a boy in my practice say, I want to chop off my penis. But I do have colleagues, I, I do have colleagues, actually um, psychologists, therapists who have, and, you know, they say, look, if a boy comes in and says he wants to cut off his penis, that is a cry for help. That's not proof that they were born in the wrong body. It is a cry for help. <laughs> you know, yeah. that they are, they've become alienated from their masculinity, alienated from their bodies, probably for good reason. That, that could be, we could look at this, if we look at it psychodynamically, is this a defense mechanism, right? What does it mean? What's underneath? Um, that's where we as physicians and therapists, as healers, that's where we should be looking. Uh, yes, I mean that's the that's there. There are all kinds of reasons why um, both both kids will say something like, "I want to cut off my penis" or other things like that, and we'll, we can talk about that um, oh, right, after right. the break. But um, there are also all kinds of reasons, psychological reasons, why parents. Um, indulge uh, themselves, really, uh, mm. in, in, uh, in encouraging their kids to, you know, if there's some hint they're a tomboy or they say they want to cut mm. off their penis or whatever, they, 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 if they, there are many reasons why parents will go along with that or encourage that um, for their right. own conscious and unconscious reasons. I mean, for example, um, you know, that, that seems to be the cool th- thing in celebrities these days that right. showing, um, oh, well, you know, like Shiloh, for example, with um, Brad Pitt and uh, Angelina Jolie, they made a big thing about how, you know, she dresses like a, a boy. You know, at, at the beginning, when she was very young, she kind of had these tendencies, and they have played it up 
And, and at this point, especially with all the media attention, you know, that, that she mm-hmm. gets um, as being part of that family, you know, how could she possibly now go back and claim, even if she wanted to, um, that she, her femininity or wanting to be a girl, how, you know, it, it's kind of like she's gotten locked into this role of a little girl who wears boys' clothes, wears short hair, does all these kinds of tomboyish things, but it's gotten beyond the age of and the stage of tomboy. Um, I don't know that they, I'm not saying that they've given her any hormones or surgery, but, you know, um, mm. it certainly seems like that, that they wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, that could be the, what's, what's going to be happening down the line. But it's like right. it's, sometimes kids, like you were saying, that they don't want to go back to their biological sex. Um, you know, they've gotten all this social attention and sure. confirmation that they are the other sex, um, and it's hard to go back, and, um, and, and also a lot of attention, and attention from their parents. And so many times it has to do with parents wanting to have had, like a mother who wanted to have a girl, and she has a boy, so she'll encourage the boy to wear girls' dresses or, to, or pink clothes or things that are associated with girls, and then it just kind of escalates from there. It, it can, and, and Dr. Zucker, um, world-renowned gender identity disorder specialist, um, he found he documented that there is definitely um, there there is psychopathology found in higher levels among um, some of these families, and the, it's the psychopathology within the parents. It it yeah, we we have to say it, but yes, in some cases. That is what's going on. It's um, and depression in the mother, uh, particularly with regard to um, mothers who were desperately wanting daughters and, and only having sons. He did find that. He he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, this is a good place to take a break. Um, <laughs> it's the time to take a break. My <laughs> guest is Dr. Michelle Critella. She is the president of the American College of Pediatricians. And we're talking today about sex, gender, transgender, intersex, and confusion. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with my guest, Michelle, Dr. Michelle Critella. 
the president of the American College of Pediatricians, about sex, gender, transgender, intersex, and the bottom line, confusion. So before the break, we were starting to talk about some of the things, some of the psychological issues in parents um, and kids, and I, we're going to talk more about that. I wish, I mean, I know, um, I, I would, I think there are for these different, all these gender clinics that are like sprouting up, you know, like weight loss clinics. <laughs> you know, did you ever think of it that like, like the cool thing? Um, I mean, you know, weight loss clinics don't, uh, don't uh, have as detrimental effects um, as these sex or gender clinics do, uh, and that isn't to say that there aren't some children. I mean, are you saying that that no child should be involved in this process, or do you think there are some children for whom this is the appropriate treatment? Um, we are saying, so I and the American College of Pediatricians is saying that no child should be involved in the process of puberty blockers and hormones and surgeries. Um, Definitely not. For the greatest reason being, we know for a fact they are not cognitively mature enough to make these decisions. Um, And the risks, the physical, psychological, the the potential and social risks are far too great for them. So, okay. Now, I know these clinics, or at least most of these clinics, I believe, have some kind of a um, perfunctory, at least, uh, screening process where they are supposed to be looking at these psychodynamics, you know, what's going on in the parents that they might want their child to have been the other sex, Um, Mm. or what's going on in the child that makes them, you know, say they're in the wrong body or that kind of thing. But, But I wouldn't imagine, I mean, I guess it varies a lot, but what do you... What, has been, what have you seen in terms of how much in-depth these clinics go to really rule out psychological reasons or to, I mean, you can't really, I mean, you know, to say that they have done enough to rule out these psychological reasons. Right. In, in general, we have, um, we have academic members of the, of the college across the country um, I also have a number, as I said, a number of um, psychiatric colleagues across the political spectrum. So they're not members of the American College of Pediatricians. I mean, they're in they're in various mainstream psychiatric groups. And um, the general uh, the general feeling is it's not being done properly at all. That basically a child is just being taken at his word, regardless of their age, um, and uh, that there's no rigorous psychological screening going on because it's become um, heresy to suggest that anything in the family could, uh, anything in the family or or outside world could be contributing to a child feeling trapped in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. can't even ask that question or, or posit the possibility um, and I've heard that from um, those in the psychiatric field the psychological field uh, general pediatrics and pediatric endocrine which deals with the hormones um, just it, across across the board um, a number of um, there are a number of left-leaning academics who are especially concerned about the teenage population because what we are seeing, and this has been documented around the world, um, there has been a tremendous increase in teenagers rapidly deciding with, with no previous indication or symptoms, just all of a sudden after binging on social media, announced to their, par- their parents that they're transgender. Um, there are peer groups of teenagers coming out as transgender. So this, this is evidence of a social phenomenon. Like you were saying, trendy, like it's becoming trendy and cool, um, but it's very dangerous. This is not a cool trend. This is a very dangerous trend, and these kids are being 
put, uh, they're just being taken at their word. They're not being well screened. Some of them even have significant psychiatric history, but that's being ignored. The fact that many of them have autism is being ignored, and they're just being declared transgender and put on the cross hormones. And, and these cross-sex hormones, they don't just impair fertility. I mean, they're putting these kids at risk for uh, cardiovascular problems, diabetes, obesity, mood. Think of sex hormones, they muck up your moods. Do adolescents really need more mm-hmm. mood-altering <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs from the outside? Um, you can look at even, if you look at um, Jazz, Jazz Jennings, here's, here is a biological boy raised as a girl from very young, um, promised, oh, this medical protocol will be your salvation. Well, I mean, right there on his program, on Jazz's program, we've seen Jazz go through significant depression, even some suicidality, I believe, and um, still on the antidepressants. And now he was looking forward to having his uh, genital surgery, but because of the hormones, he did develop female-looking breasts up top, but below the waist, he has a what they call a micropenis, because his normal male development was arrested peripuberally, and you can't use that micropenis to construct a so-called mm. neo-vagina. You know, so I mean, so how cruel is that? <laughs> you know, I mean, basically uh-huh. his uh-huh. his health providers, right? His his physicians and therapists leading him and his family along and saying, "Oh, we're gonna." We're going to make this all better for you. Yeah, we can give you the body to match your belief. Um, sorry. No. Well, and you, you know, know um, what a cruel, cruel hoax. Yes, yes. Well, and you know, obviously, like I was asking about the screening procedures, obviously it behooves these gender clinics not to mm-hmm. screen people out. I mean, not to send right. people away and just send them to psychiatrists and say, right. you know, this is just, uh, there's, a psychodynamic problem, something in your family, something that happened to you. I mean, a lot of these kids have been sexually abused. And that's why they, like little girls who don't want to be little girls anymore, or little boys who don't want to be little boys or don't want to have a penis. I mean, that's a typical reason for why they want their penis cut off. It's been touched when they were abused. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I wish we had, and you know, and that's what it is. Those are the studies that are not being allowed to be done and it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because when I first, I've been writing on this topic for a few years now, two, three years, and the very first um, short position statement I released um, was called Gender Ideology Harms Children. And, um, of course, the transgender activists went berserk with it. But the very first phone call I received at the office within 24 hours of release was from a psychiatrist in San Francisco. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't give you my name or my clinic's name because I work among the adult transgender population in San Francisco. That's all I can tell you. Um, And he said, I've been working with them for years. 100% of my clients, and they're predominantly male to female trans, he said 100% of my clients suffered horrendous abuse as children, many of them sexual abuse. Now, that is, you know, that's anecdotal. However, there is, there's also some reporting in the literature to support this, but the research needs to be better. Instead of doing that research, the money is going to proliferating these gender clinics who basically include psychologists who support transgender affirmation. So, you know, gender and sex have become politicized. And so what's best for children, uh, true science and medical ethics have taken a back seat. Uh, What we're seeing here is ideology and political activism resulting in a massive experiment on children. 
Yes, and it's just making um, people so much more confused. Teens, like you were saying, you know, in those years, um, I mean, there's enough, you know, even if someone doesn't uh, claim that they have any, it doesn't feel gender dysphoria, doesn't feel any kind of, um, that they were born in the wrong body or anything, but but just going through a so-called normal adolescence with discovering your sexuality, learning about Mm -hmm. sex, Dealing with sex, especially today, where yeah. people are having sex at younger and it's at ridiculous, you know, ages and having oral se- girls performing oral sex on guys to be popular when, you know, and trying to claim it's not sex, just like Clinton. But, you know, right, all of these right, things right. that are just in the sexting going on, all these things, these the, the crazy enough things, uh, destructive enough things are going on even without bringing this whole transgender issue into it, um, just sex and gender and dating and love has gotten to be so complicated and difficult to begin with that now when you have people preying on you and preying on your confusion, it's Mm. just, it is out of control. Yeah, and I mean, and you think about the the adolescent's job is to, um, it's identity formation versus role confusion. You know, Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be, finding out who they are and trying on different identities. That is not the time for adults to hold out a mental illness or delusion as something to try on. Mm-hmm, um, and that, mm-hmm. that's essentially, that is essentially what we are allowing into our school system and what we are doing as a culture. Um, children, are, children are vulnerable. And as I was saying, in the early stages, you know, three, age three through elementary, they're very highly suggestible suggestible in the adolescent phases. They're searching for themselves. We as adults, physicians, teachers, parents, we are supposed to be there to guide them and protect them, not to hold out confusion, a confused or delusional state as something for them to aspire to. And that's what we're doing. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dr. Michelle, how can people, um, do you have a website that you can give people to look up, um, you know, some of the, uh, there's a website, well, actually, the the website for the uh, American College of Pediatricians that has all your uh, different papers and there's a great video on it and so on. Give out that website. Sure. Um, Actually, www.bestforchildren.org is probably the easiest way. Okay. www.bestforchildren.org. Okay. That's easy to remember. (laughs) www.bestforchildren.org. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I know, uh, boy, it's like swimming upstream with all of this craziness that's going on, but I am glad that you are a voice of sanity in this because I think, you know, there's also financial interests that come into these clinics that that are part of the issue, too. Yeah, so, and, so and it's thank huge. You. I mean, especially for big pharma, they yeah. hormone therapy, hormone replacement therapy for menopausal, postmenopausal women uh, has been sunk. So for big pharma, putting kids on hormones for this mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. That's big profits for them. Yes, yes. And um, well, you know, we can't. We we have to come. We have to hands across the aisle is another good. If people, if listeners want to Google hands across the aisle. Um, it's a coalition of folks from all over the political spectrum who simply want to do the best for children. Um, it's it's important to for everyone to understand that this is not a right versus left issue. Mm-hmm. Um, this truly is uh, something that folks can come together on uh, for all children, for the sake of all children. Well, Dr. Michelle Cretella, thank you very much for your the work that you do and, of course, for being on the show. And thank you all for for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 